This is Comet Picks by the Glick. Hey, I'm your host, Jason Glick. How you doing, Jason Glick? I'm good, John. Yourself? Not too bad. What do you have on tap for us tonight? Well, this is, this is kind of a weird subject for, like, I guess what is best described as the dead of February. But, um, but because of the stuff that, want, that I wound up, you know, like, um, reading, it's like, you know, my shipments from like, places like Amazon and, you know, the good guys at CheapGraphicNoles.com, I wound up with a, uh, with a good number of comics that, like, you know, kind of build themselves as horror. You know, the stuff that's kind of, like, meant to scare you. That's leaves, it's meant to, like, you know, like, you can read, you, like, you read them, it's like you're left, like, like, like shaken, shaken, unsure of your place in the cosmos, and then when you go to bed... It's like, you know, memories of them that keep you awake at night. It's like, you know, like stuff that, like, that, that gnaws at your soul and, like, makes, it's like, and leaves you fearful for, like, you know, the things that are living, living under your bed. It's like, it's like, or just like, you know, like clawing at your window. So, but that's in theory anyway, because for me, though, comics has always been a, you know, hard medium to convey horror to through. It's like, there's some instances like that. The loss that's been advertised as such that you know just doesn't do it for me. I mean, like it just doesn't convey like the uh, like that same fear of of the un- of the unknown that you know the best kind of horror horror stories do. Cause, like you know, I've been kept awake kept awake at night you know after reading Stephen King like um stories. Um, last year, it's like I managed to go th- get through. Um, Alex Garland's um, Annihilation, perfectly fine. Like you know, in the uh, I was watching the film itself, but then um, I was like, you know, when when night came around, I tried to go to sleep. I was just kept coming back to that thought of the monster that screamed like a human. So it's like that that kind of stuff that, that gets to me. But you know, comics, you know, like I said, most of them, not all of them, like do manage to like you know. It's like you're just kind of just passing by, and then there are those that you know kind of like wear horror as an affection. You know, it's like saying, "Hey, yo, this is meant to be scary," but you know, it's like it doesn't really pan out that way. And that, and that's like that's what um, brings me to the first top first um, topic of this podcast, and that's the Immortal Hulk, um, um, by by one of my um, favorite writers at Marvel, um, Al Ewing, and with art by by Joe Bennett. Now this is just, now, like the Hulk came back in the pages of um event, it's like of the Avengers um, it's like um No Escape series last 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 year. It's like was it No Escape? I can't remember. Oh, No Surrender. There you go. Okay, and and basically um Ewing was positing the idea that you know ultimately like you know the Hulk who had been killed many times prior to the prior to his recent death in Civil War Two, you know just couldn't die. And that, you know, basically when, like, even if, like, Bruce Banner is able to be killed, it's like, in in the course of, like, in the cor- in the random course of things, it's like he's, it's like the Hulk will always come back once night rolls around. And that's, and so, you know, that's kind of like the, uh, that's kind of like the thrust here. You know, it's like you've got this, I mean, and, but the thing is, like, the first issue is, really does not inspire confidence. It's in, Involves a guy who tries to rob a uh, like a, a gas station. Things go badly. He kills a girl. Shoots Bruce Banner in the head. It's like he's only able to get, make out with a hundred, the couple hundred dollars that he needs to um, pay back like some of the interest on the um, loan he owes this biker gang. But then 
it's like after but then like you know like once this guy goes back to um pay the biker gang well like you know things start going bad like people start like there's just like there's these earth earthquakes like lights go up people start dying and it's like people are it's like in like off panel like people are like the uh, biker guy guys are being dealt with and one guy's saying oh i know you you're like silence so and then you know we see the hulk you know show up in front of this guy it's like you know to um it's like to, um remind him of the bad deeds he's done and it's like well no shit it's gonna be the hulk i mean the series is called the immortal hulk of course he was gonna show up there there's no horror here there's like i mean we all knew what was gonna happen it's like oh it's like, yeah, what? You don't think the Hulk is going to show up and punish these guys and like show this dude the error of his ways? Of course he was. Yeah, you know, that's kind of like how all, all like you know the, the, these kind of superhero like like stories go. And you know the same goes with the second issue where he, it's like where he winds up you know investigating this town where this guy's used some, with this um, this one guy's using gamma, um, radiation to try and help help cure help you know like make his son pat powerful and also to help himself you know escape the claws of death things go badly and the hulk shows him the error of his ways like by you know ripping off his limbs and imprisoning him underground so he can just you know like live but hey you know he's gonna like live in a hole underground things don't get more interesting until the third the third issue where we get um three different three different artists um like paul hornschmier marguerite savage and Gary Brown, in addition to Bennett, um, like showing like different perspectives on this. It's like like on this one guy who's a, who's attacking a church, and and holding some people hostage in hopes of like getting some help for his girlfriend. And while you know there's some, and there's lots of like fun like you know like stylistic, um, some some attempts like seeing how different styles play together, such as um Bennett affecting a classic. Um, six like um sixties um Mar- Marvel look to his work. Paul and Hornschmier giving like nice nice indie gloss to his pages. Um, Savage like showing us you know like how things look from a uh, from a slightly delusional um old lady's romance romance tinge perspective. And Gary Brown giving us you know like the grim and gritty like take on things. It's like it's you know it's like like okay this this is the kind of like cleverness and and ingenuity that I expect. Like um from, right from from Ewing, and it also um you know wraps up and also wraps up the story in a nice way, showing us you know as we as we reverse a little piece together, which what actually was going on with it's like with this guy who had had powers that he could like you know shoot like shoot lasers from his hands, but uh you know it's like this like it like it was interesting to find out what was really going on, and then um it sets up the like the involvement of a um, Walter Lankowski, um, otherwise known as um, as Sasquatch from Alpha Flight, and um, his in his history with um, like with Bruce Banner, second like college, and how he's got his own like you know gamma irradiated, and how his like you know gamma irradiated um, it's like transformation like you know like relates to the Hulk, the Hulks as well. In fact, like you know, the story doesn't really get interesting until that final issue when we find out that that um, that while like um, Lankowski, like you know, he's he's ta- still has the ability to transform into Sasquatch. He's actually been um, possessed by another en- entity. This entity 
actually being um, the one person who scares the Hulk and and especially Bruce Banner. And that's and, you know that's kind of like what really gives me hope for the series. I mean, once we see at the very end of the uh, of the story issues collected here, because it also re- reprints an issue from it's like from from no, from Avengers No Surrender that um that that indicates that oh hey you know Ewing was setting up this stuff like for a little while wasn't he that was kind of that was kind of neat so so when it shows that you know that 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 um that the Hulk has actually welcomed this this like this one this one presence who like really gives him really worries him and Bruce Banner in like into his body and into his mind okay now I'm on board okay it's like I want to see where this is going. And even though it's like this, this not got a lot of praise for its like quote unquote horror infused direction. Um, like I said, the horror aspect of the series is negligible. It's just like a uh, an affection the series wears to distinguish itself. But as far as storytelling goes, um, like I said, eventually um, Ewing um, like you know makes the series like 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 worth what worthy into following and um bennett well he's doing some like really spectacular art um from being from beginning to end so yeah it's like so overall so yeah i'm definitely gonna keep following this but as far as like a uh, series that's like you know wants to like you know scare me nope not happening it's like not even gonna give me like any pause it's like pause as i, I you know, as i consider this now a better step in that direction is Walk Through Hell, Volume 1. It's like The Warehouse from Garth Ennis and Goran Suzuka. Now, it's like, I've got all the time in the world for for Ennis, like, due to his work, work over the years on Preacher, Punisher, The Boys, Hitman, lots of other series. Even though I will concede that he has been, like, very hit or miss lately, especially when, like, he's, you know, focusing on comedy stuff for DC. Uh, let's just for, I want to forget, you know, it's like his six, six pack in Dog World, their miniseries, and his um, Dastardly and Muttley one as well. So let's forget it. So let's do that and focus on A Walk Through Hell, which involves two um, FBI agents. It's like um, Shaw and McGregor. Shaw is like a it's like she's approaching 40 year 40, 40 year 40 years old working for the FBI and her younger partner McGregor is you know it's like still holding on to his idealism it's like and they wind up you know being called into this to this um warehouse and it turns out that you know there's something bad lurking in here like something supernatural it's like something that caused a um like a, like a whole SWAT team put their guns to each other's foreheads, then kill them and kill, kill each other that way. So, but it's also, but specifically to them, it's connected to a, to a case, recent case they did involving a child molester who, who, um, supposedly killed them, killed himself, like as a result of their investigation and like, you know, the fault and the fault they suffered for their careers. They suffered as a result of that. well, as we go into this into this warehouse, well, it's like it's like we find out we get to find out like you know the truth behind that investigation into the child molester, and it's not pretty. In fact, you know, I guess the problem is problem with this series is that you know it's like it 
probably would have worked without the supernatural aspect because you know it's like and this has always had a good good um, handle on like you know the moral it's like the moral obligations of people during in in like in really tough situations be it, be it wartime it's like or like when you're faced up or when you're working for for law enforcement with the walk through hell it's like it like um he just can't like I said introducing this um supernatural element kind of does kind of rob the uh it's like the story of a lot of its like you know like actual power it's like in the sense that you know hey oh you know it's like these people are like you know facing the consequences of their actions but oh wait it's a actual it's actual supernatural presence that's doing this and also the fact that you know we we kind of know what's going on here i mean it's like like we see what's going we see what's happening to the people inside the warehouse and we're able to process it. Like when you're talking, showing us a guy who is like, you know, shooting himself in the head forever and we see this and, Oh, well, okay. That, I can understand that. That makes sense. I mean, it's like, it kind of with, I mean, guess with, with in this case with horror, it's like when you're able to wrap yourself around what everything that's happening in here, it's like, it ceases to be scary. I mean, even when, um, you know, we've the like said child molester makes an appearance at the end of the series, along with some supposed nightmare creatures that are like harassing one of the other um, FBI agents who was who's in the. Uh, it's like who who is in in this warehouse. It's like it's. Uh, it's like I said, it, it it makes sense. Makes sense from a, from a visual sense. Makes sense from a storytelling perspective, and so. You're not scared. I mean, you're just, I mean, I get the feeling that, you know, like, Ennis wanted us to, like, you know, like, like, live in these awful, horrible situations, but it just doesn't work because like, we're able to, like, completely wrap our heads around what's what's going on. And, you know, while um, Suzuka's um, art is, is really, is really quite good from, like, from a storytelling perspective, I mean, his his most memorable image comes really early in the series when when a guy's um when a guy's wife and daughter are shot like in the middle of a, of a mall and and we're just and and this is like a real thing that we're able to, we have to we have to process and make sense of but then once the uh, supernatural stuff starts showing up um Suzuka's art is um like I said, it's it's too clear and too real like too too grounded to like really um like get us to consider that you know what what we're seeing here is something like horror something awful and um other otherworldly so so i mean it's like i well i really like the fact that that you know ennis is like you know indulging the more serious side here which is to be honest like the side of him that i really have the most time for like these days this one is kind this one is really kind of a miss and if i do well, I'm probably going to pick up the second volume anyway, just because, you know, like I said, I, I like all the stuff he's done over the years, so I, I'm i pretty sure this is going to end all right, if not spectacularly. But, you know, this isn't going to, this isn't nearly in the leagues of his, like, of his best work. So, and to, like, to that end, like I said, I, I mean, last, last week I mentioned that, you know, is that Punisher the platoon was you know my second favorite thing of last year well yeah it's like you're probably just better off better off reading uh, more of his Punisher Punisher stuff than 
than this thing right here. So, but I'll be I'll be back um, later this year to let you know how like how it shakes out and if it gets and if it gets any better towards the end. So now closer to like to what I like to see from from horror is is another mini series from Image that got a lot of buzz last year, being kind of like in the same vein as Get Out, and that it's racially charged. It's a racially charged horror story, basically involving a like a racist ghost that feed, feeds on hatred. Now I'm saying this because you know this is this is a description I got from the writer on Pornsack Pritchett who I saw at like at a um, like at an Image horror panel. It's like la- last year, and Infidel. It, like I said it's about um, like this this racist ghost who feeds on hatred, lives in a uh, well, racist ghosts really. That basically, they're living in this, it's like in this New York apartment that was um, such of a um, terrorist, quote unquote terrorist attack. It's like like um, a couple, couple months ago. Now the story itself picks up like a little while later, and um, so introduces us to um, Aisha. It's like a woman who is who is married to a sorry, to a Caucasian Caucasian man with. And um, it's like and a uh, like, it's like and his um stepmother to like to their daughter and has a gr- and has a, a mother-in-law who you know is, it's like you know, to initially seems to be like you know pretty um like pr- like you know like a pretty decent person like initially until you know we find out really early on that she was you know really um kind of like you know kind of anti it's like it's like anti-Islam it's like er- it's like early on but she's but she's changed really. So and that's as again that's the kind of situation we're left with in the beginning as a it's basically almost like Aisha just uh, you know dealing with like you know like these modern day concerns and also the fact she hasn't been sleeping well lately that um her her that her um that she's been had these like you know visits from like you know like ghosts or un like or strange people. It's like it's like in her dreams, it's like and in and during during waking hours as well. Like she's she's kind of in a bad bad place at the moment, but um, and like in the story initially, you know, like focuses on it's like on her experience, like as an it's like as an Islamic American woman who like uh, you know has to deal with like you know like 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 certain pre- prejudices and like. And also ghosts that feed on these as well. So, um, so on one hand, like, like infidel, it's like, well, no, it's not in the same league as as Get Out, to be sure. But, uh, and you know, so it's got some good mess, got a good message of tolerance, and especially in how it's got a good message of tolerance in terms of using it to, um, you know, like give the ghosts on pause before you um, neck. It's like next the the one thing you're going to do in order to take them out. It's like that's that's something for the end of the series. But as far as like a a horror story, um, it gets closer to what I want to uh, see from, from from horror in comics. I mean, um, Aaron Campbell like has the artist has some great um, great shadowy art to it and there's there's some scenes especially when we see like the um the cordoned off areas of the upper level that you know that do kind of get into like this like like this um horror of the unknown that you know like there's something bad here 
but I just you just can't articulate as to what it is exactly. And some of his ghosts, you know, probably would have scared the living shit out of me had had I read this when I was much younger. But um, but the thing is, like, there's some there's some parts that I feel that there's one part that I feel should have scared me and that I keep coming back to, and that and it just doesn't make sense because there's one moment, one scene where where Aisha is just you having a like like a like a nice you know hangout session with her friends, and they're talking about things, and um, then like as you know, it's it's dead normal. There's nothing nothing going on. It's just you know there should be some sort of supernatural activity to this series, the seed. And then in the one of the final panels on the page, you see this see this horrible face appear like like amidst these um these plant plant leaves, and you think. And I, my gut reaction is like, I should be scared by this. This is a normal scene that has been interrupted by something, you know, abnormal. Like, but then, but then I keep looking at this and I think, wow, this, this face is just kind of like, you know, the more I look at this, the more, like I said, the more it just, it just doesn't become scary. It's like, it's like, okay, there's like a face here and I should be scared. But it's not just like this complete perversion of the normal. This, this thing, this like this feeling that you know, like what I've what I've been seeing, that I've experienced like is unnatural. So, I mean, overall, I mean, like I, the series is is good overall. It's like a good, it's a good. It's, it's like I said, it's it has it has a good message of tolerance, and it's like it's modulated in the right way to make me. Like maybe make me appreciate it, but um, as far as a horror story, it, like I said, it doesn't quite scare me. So that's so yeah, it's like it gets closer. I mean, it touches on some of the stuff that does worry me, and uh, you know, I I can appreciate that. So, but to get an idea of what really scares me, I gotta go over to something called um, likely stories. It's another. It's another um, of um, Dark Horse's um, entries in the Neil Gaiman Library, and this is um, and all these stories are adapted by um, Mark Buckingham, who had a long, like very fruitful and successful run on Fables, and also um, knocked it out of the park during his um, first first run of first um, run of issues on um, with Miracle Man, also with with Gaiman. Now, this this volume doesn't have the same like artistic variety that defined um, those miracle man issues, but the stories, you know, are interesting in themselves because, you know, we've got one first story involves a uh, venereal disease that, you know, ultimately catches, catches a man, a, a guy who, um, what's a, what's a, I'm dating an old woman who has a um, pension for very fresh meat. It's like, and uh, let's see, and a guy who is obsessed with this, winds up becoming obsessed with this one woman, this centerfold who is always, always nineteen, no matter whenever he sees her. And it's, it's like, and it's a nice, and it, listen, it's interesting. Like look through like one guy's like journey through the decades. It's like, but um, the real gem of this, of this um, of the series is of this um collection is called Closing Time. And it involves like the um like the un- unseen narrator basically talking about this time that he um met up with these three like three kids you know they um 
they think they, I'm piecing together all the pages from this girly magazine. It's like out, it's like it's like out in the country, countryside, and then they uh, it's like, and they um, go over to go through the brush to this um, it's like this unknown estate, one that has a uh, an odd odd little um building on on its premises on its premises, and it's also one that's got this really creepy doorknob like a devilish looking imp on it and like the older older kids like dare this dare the narrator to like to knock on it and he uh, then the kid knocks on it and he does it and he like can kind of swear that it twisted underneath his underneath his hands and the door opens after he does this and so they uh they dare him to uh it's like to go inside, and they said, and he kid, and the narrator responds back, "No, I, I knocked on the door. I dare you guys to go inside." And then they do this, and as as the and as the other older kids go in, the door swings shut behind them. So, as and so the kid just waits, waits. Sun goes down, door opens. Nothing comes out. And then, once that happens, he just runs the fuck away. And it's this part that really gets me. That, you know, just that, that you just don't know what what happened here. Like, you know, these kids just go into this, into this building for no, like, and no one don't know what's happened to them in there, and then the door opens. Just you know, well, what's gonna hap- happen to the narrator here? And and I will say that you know, like that Buckingham does do a good job drama- drama- dramatizing you know, the kid running away from from this. Just you know, just that that whole fear of the unknown, the idea that you know you don't know what's in here, and like you know, something bad has happened. You're just not gonna and just not gonna ever know what like what happened to them now that being said you do get some context for it in the last couple pages but it's not really it's not really like you know kind of like really explains things or really you know reassures you which is the most important part so so yeah it's like i mean compared to like the other stuff in the uh, Neil Gaiman library, it's like, there's been better stuff re- released, like um, how to talk to girls at parties, or it's like, or study study an emerald, it's like, or it's like, okay, so just better things from, like, or murder mysteries, yeah, that that was a great one, too, but um, there's this, there's a great mo- there's one, like I said, there's this one great moment in Likely Stories, that really that also kind of under underlines, like you know what kind of gets me about horror, it's like in comics. But there is one more series, like in fact one that's not native to this to these shores. That would be, um, Mail by um Hosui um Yamazaki. Now those of you with very good memories, like might remember, might that name might ring a bell because he is the artist of the Kurosagi Corpse Delivery Service. 
but he also uh, illustrated a three-volume series called Mail, which Dark Horse republished, and thankfully it was only three series, three volumes, because I don't think Dark Horse like had the wherewithal to publish like any more after that. But he, but um, Mail had had a simple premise in the sense that you know it's about this one guy, um, Reiji Akiba, who was a medium that could seal ghosts away by shooting them with his special gun bullets. Now that's you think, hear this and think, okay, yeah, that's that's fine. I mean, he's guy, okay, you know, shoots gun, got um, ghosts with bullets. You know, hey, nothing wrong with that. But but um, the thing is with um, Yamazaki is that Yamazaki's got a really like well-grounded style, something that that definitely looks, you know, it's like normal. So so it's kind of like when it's like so um. And while it's like, and while that works fine in the Crowley Corpse Delivery Service, in mail, however, it becomes like something that's a lot scarier because it's something that where he's you know just describing, even though he even when he's like you know, indulging exposition, like you know, just to set, set the scene and all, it's like in like there's a like in this first volume where like this one lady gets a uh, letter from the from the previous tenants about talk just. This setting up like, oh, my, this house is haunted. Let me tell you about all the ways it is. You should get the hell out right now. I mean, yeah, that's kind of so that that's kind of silly, maybe a little dumb. But then when you get to the to the one moment when she when this new inhabitant looks around and she there's this like normal like apartment, and then you see this this. This girl's head with hair, like dripping down from, from a corner of this, it's like, it's like, of this passage between rooms. And you think, wait, this is, this is a, this isn't absolutely, this is a normal place, but that, that shouldn't look like it. That, it, sh- her face shouldn't be there. And then when you see the, uh, when it, like, shows a close up on her face on the next page, and you think this. This is not normal. This is not right. It's like it's what what male does well that really gets me is it's like is just like it's communication of an of an utterly normal space that's been infiltrated by by something that is that is otherworldly, something that that, that doesn't conform to the notions of this normal space as, as we know it, and that's. That's kind of what gets me for horror in it's like in comics. It's like, you know, just this idea of like, you know, establishing this like this perfectly normal area and then, you know, subverting it like with 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 an, with an at with an abnormal like um with an abnormal like presence. Um the Immortal Hulk couldn't manage couldn't manage that at all cuz it's you know, it's basically it's still a superhero title at the end of the day. Um, a walk through, walk through hell couldn't do that because you know it's like the the art and the storytelling was was basically designed to make you comprehend everything that was that was put in front of you. Um, Infidel tried to do that, but it just but the art you know it's like as moody as it was you know that wasn't quite couldn't quite get there. Likely stories, pretty much did, and so like I, so I definitely appreciate it for that. 
but as far as these things go, you know, as far, you know, in terms of horror, I mean, male, it's like, I'm, yeah, it's like, go ahead and buy that. that that'll, that'll, give, that'll keep you up at night. And so will that one bit of likely stories. But as far as, you know, reading value, I mean, yeah. It's like, The Immortal Hulk is worth reading on its, on its own terms for not being a, even if it's not a horror, horror, even fails as a horror series. Um, and, um, like I said, likely stories, yeah, it's not, not the best of Neil Gaiman's, um, like the best of the Neil Gaiman library at Dark Horse. Like I said, Infidel, uh, it kind of, it does kind of want to be, um, like the comics answer to, to get out. It isn't, but it's still worth reading anyway. Um, Walk Through Hell, eh, worth reading for NS completists. Um, Mail, well, like shit. It's like I, it's like I said, it it basically exists like solely on its on its virtues as a horror series, and it fulfills its fulfills those admirably. So, so there you go. So, so yeah, I guess you know what scares me now. And um, well, I if I had any sense, common sense, I probably should have done this on podcast you know in October. But hey, that's not how um, so the chip to me works out. So. So there you go. That's this is I got a lot of stuff that's going back on my shelf shelf now because hey, you know, it all it all came together for for this for this specific podcast. So John, um any thoughts on your note about your end about all this as far as like, you know, what scares you in comics or whatnot? Um I always found comics and um animation to have it as as an interesting medium for horror because it kind of it's it's a little bit more difficult to do so um the, the bar is higher yeah the bar is higher the bar is so higher. so i mean has there anything that, that scared you in in that regard no not really that's my thing it's like okay you know like there's some inference points you can read in manga and things like that or and and it's like oh god no you know um but uh, generally speaking, yeah, it's it's a it's a challenge, I'm sure. You know, um, I think you've done a good job of pulling some of it out. So that's about all I really have to say about that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know what you're going to be talking about next time. Okay, well, next time, hey, you know, it's like we've got a uh, big movie coming out based on a series I've talked up, um, like for a good long while. This. Like at the site, that'd be the um, like a movie too. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to see that one as well, but you know, I'm definitely going to see um, like the Battle Angel Alita movie. Oh, excuse me, Alita Battle Angel. Oh yeah, don't forget that. Okay, yeah, but but you know, like I've already talked about you know the series proper, so it's a good thing that Kodansha has provided a uh, volume, a whole volume of um stories that you know it's like haven't that haven't been reprinted. It's like in English before. So I'll be talking about Battle Angel Alita, Holy Night, and other stories um, next time on the podcast. All right. I'll talk. I'll, I'll catch you later on Comic Picks by the Glick. All right. Later, everyone. Bye.